All right, so one of the biggest hot news items now is that the possible nomination of uh, Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court is in jeopardy. Why? Uh, Because, as Dianne Feinstein brought out, there was this accusation by a now 53-year-old professor in California that when she and uh, Kavanaugh were approximately 17, that there was some sort of groping involved. Uh, no, no rape, mind you, no, no even taking off any clothes or anything, but it, there was unwanted groping. That's, I, I think it's a fair characterization to summarize what uh, the About allegation, what the accusation is. Right, that's, all, that's the, all it is. Yeah. There are issues about uh, whether or not it even happened. There are issues about you know how long it, it, it you know it's been since that allegedly happened. There are issues about the fact that he has uh, otherwise a fantastic stellar background uh, ever since this. Even assuming that unwanted groping ever happened at all, I want to put that kind of in. I don't want to drill down on the specific side. It's not important to me because I th- frankly I think it's garbage. Secondly, even if it did happen, uh, you know th- then. It, it does not. It does not impede uh, the reasons why this man, this very good justice, should be the uh, the uh, the supreme in the Supreme Court as a justice. Um, and I'm I'm really really uh, surprised, uh, but not surprised that this is actually happening. This is inevitable. It's going to happen because they're so desperate. And that's what I really want to talk about right now. <clears throat> so, you know, there's. It was so absurd when I when I first heard this uh, that Diane Feinstein kind of brought this up. She floated this as a trial balloon during the last minute of the confirmation hearings. Uh, then you realize, okay, she realized that things were not going very well in the nomination, so she threw this out there. So the first thing I think about it <clears throat> is that this is all garbage, which I think it is still. But it even even it's just so desperate. I I almost wanted Brett Kavanaugh to say, excuse me, <clears throat> that's all you got. Really? This is the thing you're going to throw at me? Um, and then it turned, it's even worse for the Democrats in the sense that the woman, her name is Christine Ford, she finally uh, came out of anonymity to reveal herself, uh, doesn't even want to testify. So uh, it, there's a whole bunch of issues associated with that. I'm not really going there. This is, I, I want to take this story as a sample of how desperate the Democrats are and looking this at this at a much larger way. Yeah, because you're not talking about their desperation <clears throat> vis-a-vis this nomination. I no. think you're talking about their desperation vis-a-vis um, everything. Everything. <clears throat> everything. Everything. So think about it. From the standpoint of the Senate, <clears throat> they know very well that it is very likely that they, not, the Republicans will not only maintain the majority— but will actually increase their majority. So it'll go from 51-49, which is what it is today, before the election, to a number better than that, let's say 53-47. Yeah, you're talking about what I call the Viagra principle. They will maintain and achieve, (laughs) right? I guess so. I wasn't going there. But leave it to Ari to to, to color it the way he will. (laughs) All right. So... That's, you know, it, it probably will be worse for the Democrats after 2018, at least in the Senate. They'll gain some seats in the House, but not as much as they would like. But that's another story. But more importantly is the fact that the Democrats know this is the last hurrah when it comes to uh, their th- – th- this is it. The jig is up, so to speak. If Brett Kavanaugh uh, is confirmed as the Supreme Court justice, as Trump has nominated him, then – 
you're going to have a 5-4 very conservative vote uh, every single time on every major issue. Before, as you'll recall, Kennedy, who has retired and whom Kavanaugh will hopefully replace, uh, he was the so-called swing vote. So you just couldn't rely on him to vote conservatively or liberally. You know, what will what will Kennedy do? Yeah, it was unpredictable. It was unpredictable. So, you know, and through him, we got some good conservative votes at the end. But and through him, we also got some bizarre votes, um, most most appropriately or most uh, poignantly, rather, uh, the, the gay marriage vote, which I think he actually wrote the, the opinion for. So that was uh, a right that was fashioned out of whole cloth, very bizarre. I mean, there was no sense to that case at all, but there it is. It's now the law of the land. You know, bad law still has, uh, you know, still is the law, whether we like it or not. I mean, there's many, there are many bad laws out there. I mean, if, if, <clears throat> if they suddenly said that the speed limit on the freeways should be 35 miles an hour, uh, I, I think it's a stupid law. I would fight against it, but nevertheless, it's the law. You don't, you don't have to like it. Okay, some, uh, I, I like right turn on red, but other states don't have that, and so on. And likewise, uh, this, the gay marriage, is, it's the law of the land. I think it's bad for the country. I think it's bad for civilization. But what are you going to do? That, that The buck stops at the Supreme Court. But now, if you get a Brett Kavanaugh type or another Gorsuch type, you're going to have very reliably conservative interpretations of a law as it comes up to the Supreme Court. And thank God we're going to have that. So the Senate is panicking. The Democrats are panicking. And they've panicked before. They've done many different panics. The, the most recent one, of course, uh, is fabricating the evidence, which people, people call the Russian dossier uh, today. But this is, the, this is the invention of evidence to suggest that Trump was somehow cavorting with Russians. And, uh, and, and now it turned out to be a big, fat fraud. And they use that big fat fraud for purposes of getting a warrant to allow them to spy on Trump and his campaign. That's what happened. And had you said that before, that this is what I think is happening, people would look at you like you're a conspiratorial nut. They would say you're like a 9-11 truther or whatever. And, and it'd be right, by the way. It is, it is bizarre. You would never expect that from the high echelons of the executive branch. But there you go. And they did. That was exactly, this is exactly what, what they did with media coverage. <clears throat> yeah. On the one hand, they were confirming the story. At the other hand, this is, I think, analogous to what's happening or will is about to happen with the Kavanaugh story is on the one hand, they were reporting exactly that this stuff was <clears throat> happening. And then anytime a conservative voice in commentary or media said, hey, I think this might be happening or it is happening, they would write more stories that said, some crazy conservative is saying this is happening. Right, exactly. <laughs> They're only, only proving that this is happening. Right, and then the great moment, just to remind everyone who listens to this show who's intelligent and remembers it, remember Mark Levin put together the evidence that was actually happening, I believe, what was it, on March 3rd, 2017, when he just collated all of the mainstream media reports out of the New York Times and CBS News. Right. And just put them together. From and says, outlets, they're, yeah. they're writing this. Right. So, no, it, 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 look, it's a desperate play. But it's very interesting. You know, there are things that you would never expect. Let me take, for example, uh, the Duke lacrosse rape case, which happened in 2006. And I, and I bring this up because I did a lot of research for it uh, for my upcoming book, Atheism Destroys. And I, I really, it's fascinating to me. It was fascinating when I was witnessing it and I saw it on the news and I saw the disbarment proceedings for Nifong. You would never think that a DA 
would concoct out of whole cloth uh, this, these rape allegations against these boys just because it was so cool for his re-election purposes, right? You would say, no, come on, people have some sense of decency. And not only that, but this guy actually asked the DNA specialist who discovered there was no DNA connection with these boys, so therefore it was almost impossible that it could be a rape. So, in fact, it was impossible. He, he still went on, and he tried to encourage the DNA, DNA specialist to fabricate his conclusions so that it fit, it jived more with what he wanted. Just, I, I got that. Just yeah. so everyone out there who might have just sort of doing other things while you said that, right. please repeat that one more time, <laughs> a little more slowly and clearly, because that is a truck through the plate glass window of your store. Right, exactly. Waking right. you yeah. up in the That's morning right. kind of thing. <laughs> what did you do? He, when the DNA report came out, that there was from a scientist, right? From a scientist, that there was no DNA evidence linking these boys to this woman who alleged that they had raped her. Let me let me just repeat for clarity that <laughs> said no that there is no DNA, no scientific proof that a rape occurred, and that since no rape occurred, those three boys did not rape the dancer. Right. <laughs> right. And then, <laughs> as if that's. But wait, there's more. <laughs> right. Uh, then, then the, the Nifong, who was the DA at the time, he, uh, you know, tried to collude with the DNA specialist to say, look, let's, let's uh, massage this a little bit to, uh, to change the probabilities or whatever it was. It was awful. I mean, th- this guy continued his push in the prosecution. I remember when they first announced that there was no DNA evidence. I turned to my wife at the time and said, well, end of that investigation, I guess they'll be closing shop on, on that store. And, uh, but they didn't. They just, they kept on going. Naifong did, at least, because he wanted so badly a win, and he thought he was going to get some sort of plea bargain from them. Didn't happen. Uh, David Evans, who was the most brave of, of the three boys, went right away after his indictment and said, this is garbage. This never happened. Uh, I look forward to this case unraveling <laughs> and being pie in the face of the, of the DA. And that's exactly what happened only about a half a year later, where he was forced to uh, resign from the case, give it to another DA. That DA then said, within, I think, a week, saying, there's no evidence here. Uh, We're done. Not only am I dismissing all the charges against these boys, but I'm declaring these boys innocent of all these charges. Okay? Uh, Then it proceeded to the disbarment hearings of uh, Nifong. He was actually jailed for criminal contempt at one point, only for a day, but nevertheless, he was jailed. And then he filed for bankruptcy, Uh, what with his having to face a multi-million dollar lawsuit by the boys and their families for all sorts of defamation issues. It was was a horrible story. Now, you would never, the reason why I bring it up is that you would say, if, if you were to invent this story, if Scott Turow were to write a story like this, a novel, you'd say, well, that's really interesting. It's, that's great Hollywood fiction, buddy, but, uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't Yeah, it's work. a good story, but yeah. now that'll never it's happen. It's a good yarn. Thank God it yeah. will never happen. Thank God it will never but happen. But that's a great story. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good, good for you, mister. Yeah. And he, would, he wouldn't even make it that obvious. He would twist it so that it would be more reasonable. He would make the, the you know, the, the, the boys much more uh, innocent and the, the, the Naifang much more devilish and would would try to find and, and manipulate evidence in a certain way even more so, because otherwise it wouldn't be believable. Everybody would turn to, to the writer and say, listen, I, I'm a lawyer. I'm a criminal lawyer, no less. And I would tell you that that could never happen. 
But it did happen. Yeah, it happened exactly most, that way. Yeah, despite the most zealous, power-hungry election-looking-forward DA there is, right. no DA would ever expose himself right. to that kind of downside if this were to fall through. No DA could be so obtuse right. or, you know, I, I'm going to give you a um, power. I'm going to give you a multiple choice. I should say, a, yeah, by uh, by choice, um, a question about this. Okay. The political party to which D.A. Nifong of the Duke Lacrosse rape case belonged to was A, I'm going to give you the choices, Republican, B, Democrat, go. He was a member of the Green Party. He worked <laughs> with Jill Stein to steal the election from Hillary with the Russians, right? He was with the Democratic Party. Not the American Freedom Party? No, no. Libertarian not, Party? No. No, it turns out no. Hmm. Now, look. He must have been a Republican then. Must be a Republican, Republican, Republican. He was a Republican. I read the history books and says he's a Republican now. Yeah, he was really a Republican. Yeah. Now, uh, and he would have been a Republican. (laughs) That's the thing, you see. During the flip in the South, you understand. Yeah. (laughs) North Carolina, I don't know. Is it South or North? Who knows? Anyway, (laughs) you get the idea. So, but but these, we live in a time where anything is possible. That's that's the thing. So when they can invent this sort of crap in the Duke Lacrosse case, and, and, and mind you, that's a microcosm. Obviously, it's not a slight on all Democrats, but it still was within the Democratic Party. And it was still within somebody that felt, look, anything at all costs, I will do what I want to do. And there's and what, no I, downside to me. I got coverage from the media. Right. I got coverage from the intelligentsia, the academia. I'm fine no matter how this unravels. So they can do that. They can do the Russian collusion thing. And just fabricate evidence, and nobody even thinks about. It. They, they still want the investigation to go forward. Not, not, don't worry that there was this total taint that started this whole thing in the first pl- uh, first place. Total taint. Yeah, and the personnel of the Russia investigation are all are all compromised. I right. mean, they couldn't find rather than Robert Mueller, they couldn't find one lawyer in the country who has no connection to the Clintons or the the people involved. Yeah. not one. Yeah, but 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 here, I mean, it's, it's the equivalent. I'm a lawyer, so it's the equivalent of somebody uh, filing a lawsuit, and they base it entirely upon this one email. That came uh, came to them, and it says, "Let's defraud Johnny. Uh, we've got a real sucker on our hands." Let's say, okay, there's an email to that effect, and uh, and I'm going to take out 180 million dollars from his bank account, and sure enough, there's 180 million dollars taken out of his bank account. Okay, and but then it turns out, and so you sue this guy who you know has sent this email because you got him dead to rights, don't you? Problem is, somebody faked that email, and you now know that it was faked, right? Do you continue the lawsuit or do you say, listen, I, I got to re- really rethink this lawsuit. In fact, unless I have some other serious evidence corroborating this story, that's not going to be good enough. So, but, they, but, but if you continue that, that lawsuit, you would say that lawyer is doing something very wrong. But that's exactly what happened with the so-called Russian collusion investigation. It was all based upon this this fake dossier. Right. Same with all this, whether it's uh, Clarence Thomas, Russian collusion, the Kavanaugh thing, Duke Lacrosse, they all have the same thing in common. And it's this little piece of rhetoric that gets applied over and over. They copy and paste it. It is, well... Despite the lack of evidence, the seriousness of the charges warrants. That's right. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, 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 I'll give you another good example. It just comes to mind. The 2004 election of uh, George Bush, the re-election. And they, Dan Rather it got sucked into this story where they claimed that he, uh, it, was, it was an obvious fake. 
this letter saying that uh, he was not fit for command or whatever it was. And uh, it was a big lie. Right. And Dan rather continued on and he said exactly what you said. Notwithstanding the, 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 the fake uh, nature of this thing, the spirit of the issue is still true. Right. So seriousness, and and the precedent for that as a lawyer, I think you would conclude. I'm not a lawyer, but I think this is what you're getting at: is with that, if you will live in that world, that that bizarre planet of of a world, that means that anyone can point a finger at anyone, and we just had Yom Kippur, and they can sin and bear any sorts of false witness, and no matter how ridiculous it is, Brock Lurie is a murderer, Ari David is a murderer. I know because I heard from a mosquito in my ear. Right. Now we have to unleash all law enforcement, all prosecution on anyone who had a finger point about, at them for anything because of the seriousness of the charges, despite reality. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is a very bizarre thing to say. And they, dangerous. Yeah. I mean, that's a Assuming. lethal world. Yeah, just, just because somebody accuses you, let's say, you, Ari David, you know, uh, I, I think that he was caught, uh, you know, running a brothel of uh, 20 uh, young boys. Okay, God forbid, of course, it's not true. But let's say somebody accused you of that. Some random anonymous person, no less, okay, said this. And then you would show that there is, I, I wasn't... Even in the town, I've never been to that town or that state of which they're complaining, let alone have any charge of it, let alone there's any connection to it whatsoever. Yeah, it, is a, it is, a, it is right. a total defamation. And then the FBI or whoever the criminal investigation says, well, due to the seriousness of the charges, we really have to still hold you in, in prison for the time in jail. Yeah, while we, while, investigate, while we investigate for the next four years. Yeah, it's like it's, you would say, well, but wait a minute, that's all you have. There's, no, there's nothing else. It's just this total lie. And so we, we don't like that in America, at least in this country, we don't like that. It's called the fruit of the poisonous tree. There's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we, we don't do that. It's called justice. You know, we, we are big fans of justice in this country. Now, look, so I, we've given a few examples of these things. These are anything goes mentality uh, in the Democratic Party. Okay, and, and I, I believe that when you don't have God in your lives, uh, it's so easy to do this. You know, an atheist will listen to, to us and say, no, we, we have our morals too. We have our boundaries too, to which we, you and I both say, what are those boundaries? Tell me. Because uh, for, for us, it's, it, you know, what's to stop you from doing this? If you believe, for example, that it's totally appropriate to destroy, uh, that, you know, that you hate Trump so much and that he's so, so much of a threat to this country, then your own internal logic, your own morals will tell you, I've got to destroy this man. I've got to fabricate whatever is necessary. I've got to develop an insurance policy, to use the phrase of, of one particular um, uh, ne'er-do-well in this narrative. Uh, anything goes. You'll, you'll, be, you'll push it because it's the right thing to do with the capital R, and that to you is moral. That to you is justice. That to you is logical. So they did it. That's exactly what they did. And not once did any of those uh, people go to bed um, uh, with Lisa Page and Peter, Strzok. and Peter Strzok. They never went to bed saying, you know, really, I hope we can get away with this. You know, I, I feel, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm doing the immoral thing. N said neither Lisa Page or Peter Strzok. Yeah, it would really speak well to their moral character <clears throat> if one of the text messages at least had that. Right. Because it would show you that they were feeling they were doing what they were doing, bad as it was, but at least they had some trepidation about it. They weren't doing that, that, that classic atheistic self... Um, 
actualizing philosophy of if I do as God does, I will become God. Right. And I am God of my own world. Right. There's no higher power. There is no accountability. There is no, oh my God, I hope I get away with this and no one finds out because, man, this, the man upstairs is watching and God, yeah. I, I don't know if I can live with myself. Yeah, and, and, and none of them, uh, neither of them rather, and, and anybody who was in cahoots with them or anybody that supported them, None of the texts, none of the emails, none of the communications suggest at any point any sort of moral ambivalence as to what they were doing. They, they, they went to bed thinking they were doing God's work. And I put that in quotes uh, because, you know, by golly. It, and, and had they defeated Trump and had this never come to light, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok would eventually write a book someday saying how we saved America. Right. We did what was necessary and we're very proud of it. Uh, and we pushed the envelope and we made sure. By hook or by crook, and there is no such thing as crook yeah. in their eyes. Uh, we we got Hillary elected, right? Thank just you. like it just brings to mind. Remember Harry Reid in the 2012 election, oh, yes. saying, "I'll bet Romney's never paid his taxes," and right. we're like. If he's never paid his taxes, the IRS would have locked him up 10 years ago. Exactly. He's, he's yeah, too big a fish. How is you, <clears throat> as an elected official, can you say that? Yeah. And the, the, it brings up a very interesting thing about Democrats, right? They swear <clears throat> an oath to uphold the Constitution with their hand on a Bible. And in that Bible, one of the commandments is that, and it, you know, I, love, I, I really hate it when you uh, go to synagogue and they say, don't gossip. Because the commandment doesn't say don't gossip. It can be interpreted that way. Mm -hmm. Gossip isn't necessarily healthy, but I read the Inquirer too, and it's enjoyable, right? But it says don't bear false witness. Right, that's very Don't different. say stuff that has consequences in the real world in which good may be taken over by evil based on your public words. And Harry Reid bore false witness. Of course. Okay? And, and uh, you know, what's going on in all these other examples is – Democrats in their elected position after swearing their oaths in those ways, having no qualms about breaking it yeah. and their actions. So we have, we've got uh, many different examples. I mean, they're just popping up as we talk uh, about how they just invent crap. And, and really, crap. It's totally false. They, they throw it out there. There's the, you know, the time where they claimed uh, that Romney had beaten up some sort of gay guy or forced a haircut on him. You know, that nonsense to which he couldn't recall anything like that whatsoever. Uh, and then all they had was that the dog was on the top of the car, which, which you know, his son laughed about at some point. But that's, he was otherwise squeaky clean. But they, they, kept, they keep on going with whatever lie they need to, to, uh, to, to push. And there you have it. I mean, for example, the Benghazi story. Remember that? All, she, the one on the Sunday shows, you know, uh, what's her name? Um, Susan Rice. Susan Rice. Yeah. And she said to, you know, to the effect of, well, this was a spontaneous uh, riot uh, caused by uh, this, uh, this unfortunate thing on the Internet. And uh, that's the reason why. So they, they were able to kill two birds with one stone. They were able to say, we're going to get this uh, criminal who started this, who, who instigated this riot. And at the same time, was able, they were able to... Um, do a deflection away from their own criminality, their lack of action in this case. It, it's fascinating. They just will invent anything. And then, of course, <laughs> dare I say anything about the IRS scandal and how they tried to sabotage conservative uh, uh, not-for-profit groups, um, how Hillary Clinton, you know, they, they did all the things they did with the Clinton Foundation and, and how she destroyed the emails and how she said all that she deleted was the yoga routines and uh, notes about her mom's funeral and, and things like this. I, I, you know, it's breathtaking, the things that they think they can say and that people will 
will consume. Right. And then, of course, the Travelgate scandal, which instead of firing people, she tried to frame them and get them sentenced to multiple decades in jail. Right. So, so these mean, are these oh are my things. God. Yeah. These are things that, again, had you asked Scott Turow to write a book like this or had he written these stories, any one of them, you would say, really cool, riveting story, Scott. But, you know, of course, it would never happen in real life. I I know because I'm a lawyer, Scott, and you're a lawyer, Scott. You know better. But let's dramatize it. We'll have some fun with it. Okay? That's, you know, but it's fiction. He sells it as fiction. And people eat it up, right? Yeah, Um, and I think that's... And and, and, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. And, And they... But... The truth is that these things, these people are doing things that are far more brazen than what Scott Turow could come up with. And that's where we are. Now, let me get back to the Kavanaugh stuff. So this woman is claiming that he did an unwanted groping. Okay. And so there's, there are issues with this. I, I don't believe it happened for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, not, not the least of which is that Brett Kavanaugh said it very forcefully. He didn't do it. Okay. Nothing of the sort ever happened. He didn't say, I don't recall. I was drunk at the time. Um, you know, I, you know, she was willing, you know, at the time we were both fooling around and maybe she regretted it a week later because I, I said, I didn't want to have a relationship with her. All those things he could have said. Instead, he said that never happened. That's a very bold statement. And you say that uh, under the following circumstances. When it never happened, okay? Yeah, but never. But, but, no, 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 but, the, but the severity of the charges, bro. Exactly. That's exactly it. Right. When David Evans, the Duke Lacrosse captain, went to the mic right away, he organized a news conference after he was indicted for rape, no less, uh, against these uh, one, this one black girl, a stripper in, in this party. He went on and he said it so forcefully. He said it so confidently. There is nothing true to these charges. That never happened. I look forward to this case totally unraveling, and we will come after. Knife on. Words to this effect. He said it so assuredly. I I turned to my wife at that time. This is way before the DNA evidence, the lack of DNA evidence came out. I said, this man, this boy, did not do that rape. There's no way. He's just too... I, I I can sense a liar, and he was not lying. Now... And he said the same thing on behalf of the other two boys who were terrified. They were peeing in their pants. They, however, didn't have the strength of character that David Evans did. Something about him, it was just he, he was able to just say, yeah, yes. but the peeing, in the, but the peeing in the pants and shaking—it's understandable. Was totally understandable, understandable. And not an indication of lie. No, no, not at but, all. No, they, they were 18, 19 year olds. Boy, what right. do they know about the legal system? Exactly. And all they know is that they might yeah. be thrown in jail. Yeah, and and wait, wait, hang on. Yeah. All right. And and they were, you know, they were thinking about plea bargaining and all these things. So now. Coming back, this guy, Brett Kavanaugh, has the same tone. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not lying. I, I get that. That you know, Saying something very confidently doesn't automatically make you innocent. I get that. I, you know, otherwise, we wouldn't have a judicial system. But there's also something called your gut and your common sense and your experience and your wisdom. My wisdom and my common sense, my experience, is listening to Brett Kavanaugh, he did not do anything. Nothing of the sort even happened. Okay? I believe that this woman either is out and out lying about it, just fabricating it because the Democrats want her to, um, to, to do this, or she um, conveniently is assuming she's just transposing something that another man did to her uh, around the same time and then blaming it on Brett Kavanaugh. 
Okay, that's very possible too. She herself was drunk. Who knows who was in the room? Who knows how drunk she was? So, so you just don't know. Um, and here's another reason why I think. She doesn't want to testify. She was re- reluctantly anonymous um, about this. She, she told it to Dianne Feinstein. Somehow, I don't know who initiated this whole conversation. I'm sure that the Democratic Party sent out feelers to everybody who said, if you know Brett Kavanaugh in any way, shape, or form, please come to us. We feel that he would be a bad choice for the uh, Supreme Court, and we would like to effectively get dirt on him. Okay? Anything that you know about him that maligns his character, we need to know it. And so Christine Ford, I think, just said, you know, I was at a party with him once, and he was not very gentlemanly and whatever. That's what she probably did. And then as they kind of drill, you know, grilled her a little bit more about it, she, you know, the story was not as strong as she would have liked to, to have been. And she began to say, you know, it might have been somebody else, whatever. And now there's a rumor. And again, right now it's just a rumor. But with the Democratic Party, you never know, right? Anything is possible, as we know, that she had said the same thing about Neil Gorsuch. Okay? The same thing. Now, I don't, we, you know, we're still waiting for that story to be uh, confirmed. So if it is, however, true, which it wouldn't surprise me, given the history of the Democrats, and that's why we lay this all out for you guys, they've done far more absurd things. The dossier, faking a dossier, I think is way more absurd than this woman, Christine Ford, making the same allegations about unwanted groping <laughs> against Neil Gorsuch, but they didn't use it against Neil Gorsuch because at that point, uh, he was um, just replacing, you know, one conservative versus another. I mean, he was replacing Scalia, so no big whoop. And they still had the main fight, which is that fifth vote. And this fight, Kavanaugh, is far more important to the Democrats, far more important. This is the last hill, and they can't afford to lose it. They will do anything to delay this, to avoid the nomination, and hopefully with a Hail Mary that he might resign or pull his uh, name from from consideration. And with another Hail Mary on top of that, that somehow they gained some seats in the Senate in November 2018, and boom, suddenly uh, they get a much more um, middle-of-the-road as opposed to conservative justice. Or, That's their or game plan. they can delay all nominations for the next two years right. kind of thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so, so think of it. Let's say, let's say for the sake of discussion— that a, a Dan Rather thing sort of sort of event happens where it's it's revealed that it was a total fake. Yeah, and just to remind the listeners, what happened with that is Dan Rather takes these documents that showed what a dastardly draft dodger asshole. I know that's not appropriate for your show, but there's no other word to use what Dan Rather was calling George W. Bush at the time. So these documents proved that he was weaseling his way out of serving his country in Vietnam. And lo and behold, some veteran out there dug in and did the research and figured out that the font that was used on the documents was not invented until years later by Apple and Microsoft for modern true type fonts. And so it proved the document was a fake at the time. But even then, as he said earlier, Dan Rather said that, well, there's a series of charges, the warrants, I pursue this. (laughs) Anyway, so 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 that's a story. But that of a fraud. A bit about before. So, uh, you know, okay, yes, that's true about the Dan Rather stuff. And, and the whole point is to look at the whole big picture. We know also, for example, that she waited during the entire confirmation process and all the crazy things that were said. They were looking for something. They were hoping for something that, that would otherwise 
you know, derail Brett Kavanaugh, and they wouldn't have to use this. But nothing of the sort happened, and so they brought out their Hail Mary, this thing with, with this uh, woman, Christine Ford. So there's a whole bunch of issues associated with why it's probably a false story. And not, I, unfortunately, I would put no, nothing past the Democratic Party, because let's say, for the sake of discussion, that it does come out, this, this was totally fabricated, whether, and I think it was, uh, whether it was that they were planning to use this against Neil Gorsuch once upon a time or just that they invented it just now with Brett Kavanaugh, either way, I would say not surprising, either way. But let's say they do this and then it comes out and then, it, you know, people reveal it and they say, okay, this turns out to be a, a fabricated story. Do you think that this will impact the Democratic Party whatsoever or tell them to mend their ways whatsoever? Of course not. <laughs> Right, so so why not? Right, you know why stop now? Why why be honest now? Right, this is this is the party of the godless. This is the party where anything goes, and it's so we have to deal with them accordingly. We we cannot be surprised when they pull this crap with us. You should always expect the unexpected with the Democratic Party. You should always expect them to do something crazy. You should always expect them to invent something. Always be ready. Okay, that's that's our motto when we fight the Democratic Party. So, so no surprise there whatsoever. I, I, I just think it's this whole uh, discussion right here is it reveals the desperation of the Democratic Party, how they have nothing else to do. It is like going to battle, and you know that the enemy, uh, the enemy knows that it's about to lose. Okay, it does anything to survive. And anything means sometimes using chemical weapons, poison, uh, pretending to surrender, and then turning on the victors and then killing them even after lulling them into a false sense of surrender. So these things happen in war all the time, and this is what's happening in the Democratic Party. Yeah, or even more simply, just delay, delay, delay. The way if you and I play chess and you're a much better player than me, and it's the game's over, right? I have no chance. Well, I'm going to just keep moving my king around until you actually catch me, right? Right. And that's what this is. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, it's, a, it's inevitable loss for them. And they, they need to move on to some other issue. But they, they, they invent stuff all the time anyway. Hey, go on to the next invention is all, all we have to say to them. Please. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I welcome it. Point. That is yeah. such a great point. Right. There, there's a Sunday show theme. Right? <laughs> the Democrat Party, you never know what's going to come up. Although what you do know is it's going to be bizarre. Right. So what's your next bizarre? Right. Just lay it on me now. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, this is the same party that insisted that Michael Brown, you know, the Ferguson fame. Right. <laughs> right. That, that, you know, he was an instant, he's a straight A student, and, you know, he was just an instant He's going guy. to college. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so, all those guys. I mean, they couldn't find a better poster child for, for their cause. I mean, really. <laughs> Trayvon so, was a little boy. That's he's right. six foot four and 18 years old. Right. He could have been my adult. son. That's right. He's a little boy. And yeah. They're showing pictures around saying, this is who, do you remember this? George, this is the boy George Zimmerman killed. And they're showing pictures of him when he was 10. Right? <laughs> no, it was right. <laughs> oh man, it's just it's 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 breathtaking. These things are really breathtaking. And then, of course, it's the same party that that invents that there's this huge uh, outpouring of KKK support, huge uh, new anti-Semitism, huge uh, new racism as associated with the election of Donald Trump. Uh, never mind, of course, that it's, it was totally fabricated. Okay, now 
to the, to the Democratic Party's defense, the Democratic Party didn't actually invent it, but some punks did, you know, who, you know, were crazy, half-cocked. But the Democrats rode with it. They didn't, they didn't do any Snopes checking or anything else like that. They didn't, they didn't call for an investigation to make sure that it was accurate. All they knew is that when they saw that there were swastikas uh, in, inscribed on some sort of uh, gravestone, uh, gravestone or, or yeah. I think it was in, in churches in Notre, in Notre Dame, yeah. Notre Dame and, uh, and then the YMCA uh, threats, or the, no, sorry, the Jewish Community Center uh, threats, that, that uh, therefore, you know, this is the rise of anti-Semitism. Never mind. Let's, we have no time to fact check this. Let's do this. And they ran with it. And the same thing with the Charlottesville nonsense, yeah. right? Oh, and also Parkland. Remember? Now, uh, this guy shoots up a school, 32 arrests, five times they could have done stuff that would have given him a blip on a background check to prevent him from buying a weapon. But it's the NRA that went in and yeah, shot up the school. Right. Yeah. Right? So it's all, it's all just, they just create facts. They invent things. And all we know is that they will continue to do that. This is one thing you can guarantee that the Democratic Party will do in the future. And they, you know, liars always lie. So if it's a party, they have their script, they know what they need to do. And even even uh, Cory Booker, the guy during the, <laughs> yes. the, the Kavanaugh nominations, you know, he he uh, he was given all the documents that he was seeking. And uh, and then he claimed that they weren't given to him, you know, it, you know, during they the weren't for public release weren't for public release. Yeah. And then he was demanding it, demanding it. And, <laughs> and like you already it was already released, sir, <laughs> Senator. And, but but he knew he was lying about it. I mean, it, but does he does he get held to account? Of course not. So what we're seeing is a desperation game. Now, in addition to the desperation game, is what we talked about, I think, last week or two podcasts ago, where we were predicting why that this is going to be actually a red wave, not a blue wave of any sort. And certainly, if there's any sort of increase in the blue numbers, it's not going to be anywhere close to what they think. We explained, and I think very simply, very straightforwardly, that in every kind of voter category, meaning we'll just go use the um, 2016 parameters, the Hillary voter, the independent voter, and the Trump voter, right? There's different intensities, of course, of a Hillary voter and different intensities of a Trump voter. Those who were rah-rah about him, um, you know, I wasn't rah-rah about him, but I was going to vote for him. You were a little bit more tepid about him uh, before the election. You were concerned. Um, I was concerned, too, but I still voted for him. I did not want to vote for Hillary, period. There's, there's, there's no way I was going to vote for her. But so I was the guy that said, well, Let's let's just hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> that and was, I want to add really fast that yeah. if we were not in California, right. I would have voted for him. Yeah, I knew that my moral, my my pyrrhic moral, idiotic stand at least was consequence free in this particular state. Right, which allowed me that freedom. Right, that, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good point. That's a very good point. You, you, for sure, this this state would go to Hillary. So, yeah. and, it, and it did by by a lot. Yeah, if we were in Wisconsin, oh, I would have voted for him four or five times. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> vote early and vote often, right. as they say. Right. Now, of course, we're kidding. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Vote early, yes, but not, not, not yeah, often. Let Democrats go to jail for us, for that, <laughs> that's not right. us. They, that's what they do. And they have no problem doing that. They, you know, they invent, uh, here we go, they invented these votes, right? yeah, these in ballots. Fact, I didn't send out the story yet, but they caught a Democrat, I think in Wisconsin two days ago, telling at a little voter registration event to do exactly that. Vote early, vote often, do whatever you can multiple oh times. God. <laughs> God, these people are something else. It's, uh, I know. That's I know. Why you, what you said a few minutes ago, and you'll get into as you explore this topic, is so brilliant. You don't know what they're going to do. You just know it's going to be wackadoo, and 
if past information is indication of pre, uh, future trends, it's going to be bizarro. Yeah. Because this, the Kavanaugh letter fiasco is much more bizarre than the Dan Rather fiasco, right. which is much more bizarre than the Travelgate fiasco. Listen, <laughs> a, a party that can invent a dossier and fake it for purposes of getting a warrant. Right? In a FISA court. In a FISA court. <laughs> and not even apologize for it when it's caught. And not, uh, you know, uh, not uh, chastise and condemn the main actors here, Peter Struck and Lisa Page. Right, root out the own, right. their own party, dark actors right. within their midst. A party that can, can do that and can't do that, as it were in both those cases, uh, is a party that will truly do anything. Okay, so let us not be surprised. Okay, right. that, that, that should be the emblem, the, the emblem of the Republican Party. Let us not be no surprises, Maximus. <laughs> anyway, so so that's that's where we are on this. Now, you know, going back to the general principle, of what we're saying, we have to always be on our on our toes about this. But and I said all the the desperation play is, is right there. The Trump voters, the independent voters, and the Hillary voters. And, and we, we explained. And when I say it to you, you'll say, you know, that, that Lurie guy, he, he's, he's onto something there. There's not a single Trump voter, whether he voted, you know, like, like me, okay, who voted, okay, let's, let's hope for the best sort of vote guy. Okay, that was me. Um, there's not a single one of us. That would vote for the for Hillary. That regrets our vote now, right? Yeah, just for the point, I, yeah. I just want to say there's none of you, you yeah. guys yeah. who voted for him, yeah. who are going to say, "Oh my God, what was I thinking?" I was, no, no, worse. <laughs> right. I was reading the New York Times, and I didn't realize that some Russian Facebook ads <laughs> got me to vote for Donald Trump, and I meant to vote right. for her. That's right. An, yeah, that's there, an, there is none. That's another story, but but I, I get I get what you're saying, and you're right about that. But the point is, none of us in my category are regretting our vote. On the contrary, we're saying, uh, you know, we're we're nodding our heads very proudly. I knew it. <laughs> you know, that's that's the sort. Of, I, you know, look, I predicted his his success in the election, but at the same time, I was worried about him. I didn't know. I mean, would he act like a Democrat? Would he be a wolf in sheep's clothing? That sort of thing. But it turns out he was very much a wolf all the way. And sorry, a sheep and, and a good sheep in the sense that we're talking about. We, we liked him. And he's doing everything and more than we would ever imagine. This guy's fantastic. I, I could not even imagine the things we, that, that he's doing now that are so effective. He's pulling money from the Palestinian Authority, for crying out loud. I mean, things that we would never even thought to ask him to do, he's doing. Yeah, he shut down their bank accounts. Uh, oh, like, my <laughs> God, thank you, give me another. Right, we, we, we didn't, it's not like the Jerusalem, uh, the, the embassy move where, you know, we're, we're really hoping, really, really hoping. It's, it wasn't even in the push in the first place. So, so he's doing great things. So none of us who voted for him are, are regretting our vote. On the contrary, we are feeling very validated about our vote, if anything. And of course, the really diehard Trump voters who are really excited about him, of course, they're saying, yep, I was right. Yeah. And uh, I, you, you see, it's the UC vote, right? Now, the independent voters who were swaying, you know, at the very last minute voted for Trump or the very last minute voted for, for Hillary, you know, because on that day, they still didn't know, maybe they even flipped the coin. Almost all of them are now going to vote for Trump. Yeah, because, because of lifestyle improvement. Yeah, it, better it's, jobs, it's, better life, better quality yeah, of everything. Uh, the vast majority of those, maybe not 100%, of course not 100%, but I would say 80% at least conservatively are going to vote for the conservative party in 2018 precisely because of what we've been saying. 
And then even those who voted, not diehard Hillary voters, because they will still vote Democrat because that's the way it works, but there are still among them people who voted for Hillary because they were worried about Trump. They, they confidently voted for Hillary because they were worried about Trump. Okay, I'm talking about the Brett Stevens out there, that type, that type of vote. Not the never Trumpers, but the Brett Stevens sort of people who felt that this was a dangerous man, we'd go to World War III and such, only to find out when he actually is president that nothing of this sort is happening. On the contrary, he's, bring, he's bringing more stability to the country, more respect among our, our, our allies, more fear among our enemies, and improving the economy dramatically. And to which they're saying, that's awesome. I'm going to rethink my vote. You know, this big fear play that, that the Democrats imposed upon me was just a big lie. And so I'm going to vote for Trump. So what I'm trying to say is in every category, including those who voted confidently for Hillary, you will see a movement toward Trump. Every single one. Yeah, not man. one of them, not one of them is more likely to vote for Democrat now. Yeah, and then the voters like me, of course, are now voting for him because the proof is in the actions. And I, my wife saw something really interesting. She was at a party full of liberal Democrat type of Jewish West L.A. liberal Brentwood kind of people. And some of them knew she was conservative, and they went up to her with quiet voices and says, you know, my whole family's been voting Democrat for Hillary for years. We're Jewish. We're Israel supporters, but we've always voted Democrat. Right. We can't avoid the reality of how good Trump has been for Israel. We're voting for him now. That's great. We're voting Republican now. Yeah. So you're so right. And I think you're going to bring up the Texas district. Yes. Oh, yeah. Good that point. That was sort of the indicator. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's the name of the guy? There was, a, there, was an indica- there was a special election recently. I think the winner's name was Flores. Okay. Okay. And it was two Hispanic candidates, so I could be getting the names confused. And what made it confusing, and it's not like an ethnic bigotry thing and when I say this, so polycore people. Yeah, that's what they all say. Right. David. right. <laughs> but it was two Hispanic guys with Hispanic names who, ironically, both wore the same type of, of glasses, both had dark hair, and because it was in Texas, both wore cowboy hats. So I had a really hard time remembering the difference. But the, the, the upshot of the issue is the district had been Democrat for a while. It went for, I mean, it was a, a Democrat congressman had held the seat for over a century. And the district went to Hillary in 2016 by over 12 points. So this is a heavily blue district just based on voter registration numbers. And, Barack, what happened there? A huge win for the Republican. Huge. In a special election, special election. mind you, yeah, yeah. From, from a couple right. of days ago. So, you know, it, it, this could not have been any particular issue where they discovered that the Democratic nominee was uh, had, had, had engaged in, a, in a, a child brothel, for example, you know, that suddenly came out. There was no special issue that came out or embezzlement or anything else that turned it all toward this Republican. No, no, no. This was a referendum on the state of the economy and Trump himself. That's what happened. And that's a big sign. And it's less than two months away from the November 2018 election. Uh, Democrats, watch out. Right. And, and although you can say, oh, that's Texas, 
Texas, like, you know, California has some very conservative counties out in the boonies. Right. Where the voter registration is heavily Republican. Right. This is the equivalent of a Texas district with a voter registration ratio of, like, West Los Angeles. Yeah. It's a heavily Democrat. It's like winning uh, the center of Austin. Right. You know. Yeah. It's. it's, it's, The voting is like San Francisco there. Your point is it doesn't matter that's in the state of Texas. What matters is it's in the district within Texas. Texas that is wildly liberal. Right. That's your that, point. That and, particular of composition. Yeah, just just like there are there are pockets in California, which is a very liberal state, that uh, that are very t- uh, very conservative. Right. I mean, you can you can take it to the bank. Um, what's a San Bernardino? There's a lot of conservative pockets there, and there are congressmen who you know re- reliably get elected because they're conservative. Even in California, we don't need to explain that in, in this podcast. Yeah, but that but was one of them. That's, that's why a true bellwether so issue. This is a true bellwether issue because if it's it, if it, they were able to turn this very liberal district uh, red and, and so massively so it wasn't a close election as it turns out it wasn't like by 10 votes or 100 votes the fact even that would be a remarkable event right. but, and it shows the red wave you're talking about yeah. enthusiasm on a special election day eight weeks before a real election yeah. well, the logic it could very easily have been said well you know if there's conservative enthusiasm it'll show up in November when everyone shows up Right. But no, they went out of their way. Right. But you're seeing the same, you know, look, this is the party, again, that will do anything, right? So you're seeing, again, the same sort of polling that comes out that defies common sense, saying that the uh, generic ballot, I think they call it, uh, is 14 points ahead for the Democrats and watch out Republicans, right? Yeah, I like to call those, the election is already over, so don't bother polls. Yes, exactly right. right. Well, that's exactly what they did in 2016. And, of course, they were wildly wrong about it. And, uh, you know, what's the the guy... the guy, the famous pollster um, who does the, you know, it's on the web. Oh, what's his name? You mean Frank Luntz? No, no, Frank Luntz was fine. He, he, he did everything right. No, the, the, the Democrat pollster, and he predicted that uh, Hillary would win, and he gives odds, right, 74%, 80%. Oh, uh, the, the the guy from uh, 538. Yes, 538, yes. yeah. Well, yeah. You'll, we'll, we'll remember later. I can't remember later. his name. He's yeah. never right, you know. Yeah, he, but he's, <laughs> well, he, he drills down into an awful lot of numbers in sports and well, politics. Well, he's, and, he's put himself <laughs> into oblivion at this point yeah. because, you know, the, the shame of it all for him is that he actually play this game. He became political. And and that's very much like, wait for it, wait for it, the Duke lacrosse case, right? Yeah. That's what he was. Now, the, the, the prosecutor, by the way, in the Duke lacrosse case, he was doing this because he wanted a name for himself, for one thing, for sure, but he was running for re-election. And it was, the, the Democratic primary was coming up, which he won easily. Um, and then, then in the election, which was, I think, in June or July of that same year, he won uh, that as well. Not by very much, but he just barely won. So his, uh, his, his effort uh, bore fruit, as it were. Right. It's and the it's, same, same sort yeah. of thing here with um, the 538 guy. We'll, we'll remember his name later. But he, um, he hoped to actually influence the election. And by saying that this is a done deal, don't even bother showing up, we're all good to go. Uh, Republicans, you know, you know, you know, hang your head in shame because there's no point for you continuing on. Nate that, Silver. Oh yes, Nate Silver. Thank you. That's right. He just looked it up. So yeah, this is what Nate Silver was. So he was part of that play as well. And you know, the reality was nobody used common sense. It was. It's like 
you know, Dennis Prager talks about this a lot. You know, they, there are all these predictions of a huge, uh, you know, storm coming. No, I'm not talking about hurricanes. I'm talking just a regular storm. And, he, and, he's, and they're telling you there's a storm happening right in your area. And you look out the window. And you say, no, it's bright and sunny. Uh, sunny and there's like a drop or two, but it doesn't, doesn't storm. It, it does happen that the weatherman is, is often wrong. And for, for a variety of reasons, not, but that's totally objective. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, the difference the dev- is, the, is the weatherman isn't trying to be wrong for his own gain. I know, exactly yeah. right. So, But they, they're not using the common sense. They're not looking out the window. And that's the point I'm saying. They're just not looking out the window. We Republicans look out the window. And we say, let me get this straight. <laughs> oh, that great line. <laughs> Another winning theme for a later Sunday show. Right. And this week, the, the theme, Republicans look out the window because we're not idiots. <laughs> right. right. Just like, well, you know, it's like, I mean, really, it's like. When we drive, we look out the windshield right. for oncoming traffic. <laughs> I mean, my wife wants to get, God bless her. She's very sweet. I love her so much. But she said, what's the weather going to be like? What's the weather like right now? Right? Not in the afternoon, but like right now. And I say, well, would you like to just look out the window, sweetie? You know? Well, no, no. She, she's, she's looking at Siri. You know, she's asking Siri, what is the weather like now? Like, not the temperature, mind you. Just, is it sunny? Like, can you just... You know, in other words, should, should we have an umbrella today, this morning? It was, it's hysterical. So I said, Dennis, sweetie, look, you got to look out the window. But we look out the window and we say, let me get this straight. The economy is doing fantastically. Unemployment is at its lowest, I think, in about 20 years. Black unemployment is the lowest it's ever been in history. Tell them about the black approval rate. And the black approval rate is, is 38%. 30, 38%? Yeah, yes. Up from five? <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> We, that's, we, that's, a, that's an indicator. <laughs> we have three words for that. Not too shabby. <laughs> right? So, so Trump is, is doing extremely well. Uh, everyone's getting bonuses. Everyone's getting raises. Um, our, our relationship with our enemies, uh, sorry, with our allies is fantastic. Uh, our enemies are fearing us the, the way they should. Yeah, and, and, and fearing us, I think, is, is half the story. They're fearing us. And because of that, they are what they call in Game of Thrones, suing for peace. Right. That's right. Right? Yep. They're suing for peace. Hey, you know what? I'll meet you, Mr. Trump, says Kim Jong-un. Right. Uh, the Iranians, hey, um, John Kerry, can we talk about this? Uh, we need some help here. Yeah, exactly. What, what, why aren't you doing terrorism? Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah, please, maybe, please do something. As my therapist would say, it's not going to work for you. Right. So... And then, of course, he, he routes ISIS, and that's a, a thing that people totally forgot, you know, because ISIS is no longer in, in, in the news. But, you know, never mind that, because he destroyed them in six months after Obama had said it would take years. So everything is going on every category imaginable, to say nothing of the move of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and the way he's handling Israel and, um, and how he's dealing with terrorism. This is fantastic news. Everyone in the country is saying, has to say at some point, you know, things are looking good, but, but they, they don't. But they, the, the New York Times, the MSNBC, and all those bad boys are really trying to control the narrative. They think that if they can keep on repeating certain things about him, he's evil, he's racist, he's misogynist, and such like that, that that will be the, the top of mind thing that they will have in their brain when they go to the voting booth. That's what they think. They are wrong. People vote with their pocketbooks. People vote with their sense of well-being. And they say, look, you know, crazy, whatever he is, I mean, crazy is as crazy does. And, you know, what he's doing is not crazy. What he's doing is really effective. And that's what's going to win 
for the, the Republicans in 2018. And, I, and, and so that's why I feel like I'm making this bold prediction, but I don't think it's that bold. I'm just looking out the window, as it were. Yeah, and we see a red wave out there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you see that red wave coming? Right. That, that wave is red. Well, that's why when you sent me that, that news story of the uh, Texas uh, guy winning the special election, I thought, no surprise. Really, yeah. I mean, I, I was happy about it, of course. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it, it just it jived very well with what I thought was obvious. Yeah, the, shows, the red, here's the red wave. water's wet, and people know what's good for them. That's right. And they want, like us, more please. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, but, but the Democrats are the party which says, you know, that the pee on your leg and they tell you it's raining. Yeah, you know? I just saw one other example that I think ties both subjects he, together. He, 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 notice, folks, he doesn't even give a pause for that great line I just said and let that sink in. He's got to go right in. People, people <laughs> like I said, know they're telling them that. <laughs> no, go ahead. But, but this, I think, amplifies that even stronger. Obama told us for years, those jobs are never coming back. Yeah, you know, the new normal. Gotta get a haircut. New normal. Never coming back. I, I don't have a magic wand. I can't wave one. I want one. Can't have one. Right. <laughs> now he's running around saying, "You know that Trump economy with four and a half percent growth." That was me. I did that. That was me. <laughs> That's right. That was all my work. He's claiming credit for stuff he said when he was president would never happen. And Trump correctly says, "You didn't build that." Ooh. <laughs> now that I'm giving you pause for absorption. You see, I set you up for a better I shot. Just, I just hope Trump says that at one of his rallies where he says, you know, and here you have Obama saying, you know, that he he's taking credit for this great economy, saying that he was the one who rolled up the boulder. And now that the boulder is going down nicely down the hill, uh, that Trump is taking credit for it. And to which I say, you didn't build that. Can you imagine Trump saying oh. that? That would have been so sweet. Oh. Yeah, using using his, his own, own words. words again. So you didn't build that. Yeah. You drove the car into the ditch. Yeah. This is the new normal. Right. And by the way, I did wave a magic wand, and all the jobs came back. Right. It's called tax cuts. That's right. You it's, idiot. It's not that hard. It, that's the beauty of it. He he knows the answers to these things. Look, the whole purpose of this podcast is not just to dissect this uh, woman's, I believe, false accusation against Kavanaugh. Uh, it, it is to, to reveal what the Democratic Party is, okay? This is the boy who cried wolf. Even if it were true what Kavanaugh did, I, I don't think it's relevant to his nomination. But uh, it's relevant, but it, it, it should not have an impact. Let's put it that way. Uh, but the problem is that this boy has cried wolf so many times that I can't take them seriously. And there was one, even one more thing that I can think about. There's the fact, and we didn't even talk about this. I apologize for not getting back to this point. This woman, her name is Christine Ford, who originally just wanted to be totally anonymous and thought that she could do her dirty work, have an impact by being anonymous. And of course, you know, not thinking ahead that perhaps the Republicans would like to question her and to really drill down on this. Oh, you because mean like call her bluff? They call her bluff. <laughs> yeah. So, so she either either gets exposed one way or the other, or she finally allows her name to be revealed. It doesn't matter. But now we know her name's Christine Ford. She's a professor somewhere in California. She's got, you know, terrible reviews from her students. That was a different professor. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. That was not true. All right. Yeah. So never mind. So in any everything else is true. Just not okay. That. All right. Fine. So good. I'm, I'm glad that you, yeah. you know we're able to correct ourselves here. Uh, the point is that she doesn't want to appear. 
Okay, she doesn't want to testify. That much we, yeah. we know for sure after she doesn't want to. After being invited to, after was, being told, you, you have a legitimate thing to tell us, please tell us. Yes. Yes. And, and not only that, but they offered her in four different ways. They said, you can come and speak publicly. You can come and speak uh, privately into the subcommittee. You can, you can, we, we'll come out to you and we can speak publicly. We can, we'll come out to you and just take a deposition-style thing privately, if yeah. you like. And a fifth, which I think is important to mention. She was even offered just to have a written sworn statement right that right. she submitted and we will read for you right yeah well but then they would have the right to be examined so she she knows yeah. that much so in any event uh, she still is refusing to do it she has to until you know friday uh, just just i mean one one day from today from from where we are right now less than 24 hours from this podcast and i don't think she wants to do it and you have to ask the question why right if she wants to throw out this bombshell which was presented by Diane Feinstein so late in the game, as a, we think, as a Hail Mary, we think that the reason why is that she, she, she's afraid that she will wither under direct examination, that she'll be questioned. Please provide any evidence. To say, are there any witnesses? Are there any facts? Please tell us what the, what the was room was like. What, who, who was there? That sort of thing. Uh, and Brett Kavanaugh says he wasn't even there. And what do you have to say about that, ma'am? She doesn't want to go through that. <clears throat> To which the Democrats will say, oh, you know, she's a victim. She was 17 at the time and you're bullying her and everything else. I mean, there's the, you know, but, but bullying is nothing to do with this. This is about the truth, you know, and you would agree with me, Democrats, that if she's not telling the truth, then this is not a question of bullying. So we're just, you can't, you can't have it both ways. When we're asking for the truth that you call it bullying. Right? That, that's that's well, garbage. Right. It, it's such a heads I win, tails I lose, yes. you lose game in that it's like, women must be heard. Okay. Well, here, come and talk. You're bullying her. Uh, yeah, exactly. I thought I was letting her be heard. Yeah. And, no. And, and, <laughs> under, under almost any circumstances you can imagine. Of course, they, they, you know, the, the accused gets to have a, a you know the ability to cross, and uh, they don't want that. So she's afraid of that because she knows that it'll ultimately fall apart, and she may very well have a perjury issue in the end of the day, although that's not really as, as serious a play as I think. Look, the point of this is that, you know, and the whole point of this whole podcast is to show that we think uh, that the Democrats are really in trouble, that they are acting in the way Democrats do, that they are desperate. They must do what is necessary in order to fight this because they see themselves the red wave coming. Uh, this is the party, accordingly, that will say anything, that will do anything to fool you to try to get his, uh, the votes that they need to uh, by hook or by crook. That's the whole message of this podcast, and you need to see it for what it is. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.